Happy Monday, my Liberty Kitty Cats. And for those of you that heard my interview with Vin Armani two weeks ago, you know that he has some advice for those here in the Liberty Movement that are located in the United States. And that advice is to get your shit and go. And I quote, to get your shit and go. It's becoming very clear to anyone paying attention that political dissidents are going to have a hard time here in the U.S. And that's why it's time to seriously consider leaving the United States. That is a simple fact, my friends. And if you are like one of the many, many people who are now seriously considering leaving the U.S., you have got to check out the amazing resource that is the Expat Money Show, hosted by my friend Mikkel Thorup. If you know that taxation is theft and you're sick of paying so much damn money to support the war machine every year, this is the show for you. If you see the writing on the wall, if you see the creeping totalitarianism that is overtaking this country, this is the show for you. Mikkel helps provide you with all of the tools you need to lower your tax burden and find more freedom outside the United States. You want to check it out by searching for the Expat Money Show on your favorite podcatcher or just head over to expatmoneyshow.com. I'd also like you to invite you to a Facebook group, a Facebook forum that I actually help moderate. That is the Expat Money Forum. You can find that over at expatmoneyshow.com slash forum. All right, Kitty Cats, my guest today wears many, many hats. Taken right from the Twitter bio, I'm just going to admit. He is a historian, a jazz musician, an author, an aspiring grifter, and the host of several podcasts, including a show I was very proud to be a guest on very recently called It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. He is, of course, fellow top-tier podcaster Alan Mosley. Alan, are you ready to roar? That's just the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? <laughs> it really it really was. And that leads me to my first question, Alan. Before we get into your history as a libertarian, all the podcasts you've been doing out there, uh, and maybe some current events, because uh, I'm not sure. I heard a few things have happened this week out there in the news. Uh, but first, I, I need to know, what was it like? Where were you? Can you remember the moment when you heard Tom Woods refer to you as a top-tier libertarian podcaster? I this had really just, happened, folks. This is real. Yes, I had, <laughs> I had just gotten home from doing one of the shows, and uh, a good friend of the show, a guy who's done some work for the Tenth Amendment Center, his name is Clay Davis, he sent me a message on Facebook, and it had a clip from Pete Canones that said, have you heard this? Check this out. And I listened to it, and, and I, I'll be dead honest with you. My immediate reaction was, is, oh, he must be thinking of somebody else. Common mistake. <laughs> he, He's got me confused with some other guy, probably Brian McWilliams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, uh, and it, I think it was an interview with, uh, I think Pete was in inter- Pete and Canonis was interviewing Tom and somehow it came up the subject of libertarian podcast. And Tom said, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the top tier is you, Pete Canonis, Mark Clare, uh, Alan Mosley. And I don't know, he might've mentioned somebody else, but I had lost my train of thought by that point because I was so absorbed in being called a top tier libertarian podcaster. So Yeah, it, well, it was him and he had, and he had said Dave Smith. And Dave he Smith, of course. and he specific, he mentioned Michael Malice, but he mentioned Michael Malice just to say that of course he thinks Michael Malice is great, but Ma- Malice isn't really a libertarian. He he will tell you to your face, I'm not a libertarian. He's an anarchist with no adjectives. So he was making that short list of people that he thinks are really good content creators. And so I mean, I mean my takeaway was not just that he thought of our names, but that look at the command, look at the company. Look at the company you're in in that list. Yeah, it's not it's not bad company at all. So um, either we're doing decent work out there or we have faked our way into somehow <laughs> tricking Tom Woods into thinking we're doing good work. Either way, it's working. So, hey, whatever. We'll take it, right? Well, you know, I used to tell myself earlier on when, you know, you're trying to get something started and you don't exactly have the biggest audience in the world is I try to, t- I try to, uh, you know, make myself feel better by saying, well, you know, we're, we're, we're attracting the right audience members, not the most audience members. And I mean, that, that can't be a complete lie if we attracted Tom Woods, right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that, that's something I have to think about because, you know, I've had Lions of Liberty for seven years. So we've really grown this thing in that time. And, uh, 
but you know, as you know, I started the Second Print Comics podcast this year, mm-hmm. and it's it's reminded me what it was like, what it is like to build an audience absolutely from scratch. I mean, it helps that Remzo and I are both libertarian podcasters; people know us. But it's not a direct. I mean, you're still starting from scratch, essentially, uh, yeah. and it, it, you got to scrape by. And the one thing I always would do uh, back in the day, and now I'm doing it again, is just remind yourself: like, if you were in a room talking and had this physical audience, even if it's like 40 people, and they're captivated by what you're saying, like that would be. So such an amazing feeling if I could captivate a room of 40 people. Uh, so that's how I always look at those, these early early days of growth. I mean, if, if you're getting anybody and you're getting interaction from them and you're getting feedback from them like we are, I mean, we've had people reach out to us saying like, like you know, we, we I support you guys even though I lost my job because I realized you're, this podcast is such an escape for me. It's so good for my mental health. Like to hear somebody say that, that, you know, we're help, helping with their mental health. It's just, it's just, it's mind blowing. It makes you, it makes you really see, like you're saying, the quality of the audience. It really is important. It really is, especially in this age of podcast. Podcasting. There's a million podcasts out there to listen to. Uh, we have to find our niches, find our little communities, uh, and grow those, and get the quality people in there. That that is really how we're going to build things. From you know, kind of, unless you have a billion dollars for marketing, this is the only way to do it. Well, you know, and and I know that your audience obviously is already a fan of you and Rimzo, but it, and I'm I'm going to toot your horn a little bit here. You know, when you do something like the Second Print podcast, it's it it can be a challenge. On the one hand, you're you're not new to this; you're a veteran content creator. But on the other hand, while it might be personally satisfying to do a show whose content is very much your own personal love and joy and hobby, that doesn't mean everyone's going to like it, right? Like even people who know you and like you, they might say, well, I don't care about comic books, you know? And so it's, you're in, even, even though it's personally fulfilling, you know, you're taking a risk when you really go out there on a branch doing something that you personally love, because just because you like it doesn't mean people even, even in your own social circle are going to care. Exactly. But if you like it and you're passionate about it, that's how we're going to attract the, that right kind of audience by just sort of finding the way to express our passion in a, in a real and, and honest way. So, uh, Alan, I just want to kind of dig into how you got here in the first place, how you sort of developed your passion uh, for the ideas of liberty. Uh, so bring me back. Bring me back to the early days, the infancy of Alan, Alan Mosley's uh, sort of political ideas. And, and how did you end up down this path towards the ideas of liberty? Well, you know, I like to pat myself on the back and tell people that while I I was a big supporter of Ron Paul 2008, that wasn't the start for me. So I, you know, I'm I'm from Southern Middleton. I'm from Columbia, Tennessee, which is the home of President James K. Polk. So there, there's my status credibility, and. Uh, uh, you know, I I kind of came up in that sort of old school Southern anarchy. Uh, tradition, which unfortunately practically doesn't exist anymore. But I, you know, I had a lot of older family members. Uh, My father was older when I came along. So a lot of our in-laws and things like that were older. And these were people like these were old school Southerners, right? Like these were people who would say, if the census man comes up the driveway, you shoot him type people, right? (laughs) So I, I had kind of a healthy distaste slash distrust for government from a really early age. And, and I, and I don't mean that to come off in, in like a really, Ooh, this is like a weird redneck sort of a way, but more, <laughs> more, but more in a, you, you should be more careful about the people that you, that you trust and subscribe to. And as a general principle, if you don't know them and you can't go to their house and knock on their door, then they shouldn't be someone you're going to go really hard to bat for. And I mean, right off the bat, that's going to discount most politicians, definitely at the federal level. Right. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, that was, so I already had that mindset. I I may not have been able to put, you know, definitions and argue the semantics of it, but I already felt that way. And then uh, after, uh, after I got out of college, the the first time I went to college a couple of times, like lots of musicians did who played too much music and then dropped out. That Uh, happens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, that's, that's when kind of the Ron Paul thing is coming along and and I'm listening to this guy and I was like, well, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a big waste of time because if this guy had half of a prayer of getting elected, you know, he would, he would be Epstein before we knew what being Epstein meant. Um, but, but I liked it. I was like, well, at least somebody is saying things that, I mean, make perfect sense to me, but I'm, I'm hearing people around me saying it's crazy. And, and I'm all, and I'm constantly asking people around me like, okay, maybe I'm wrong. What's crazy about this guy? And well, they can't really answer that. Right. They can say it's crazy because it's different and it's not what they've grown up hearing. It's not what they've been conditioned to believe, but they can't really explain why it's crazy, just that it is. And so that, I mean, obviously that's a big red flag for a lot of people. Um, 
And I, I think when people hear uh, hear statements, hear bold statements that are so outside the norm of what they've ever heard, the initial response is is often going to be, "Well, that's crazy," or "That guy's crazy." Now maybe it's it's a, it's a, it worked against him because he's an, an old he was an older man. Maybe his suits didn't fit right. You know, he mm-hmm. he wasn't the slickest looking politician, so maybe that added a little bit to it. But I, I think anytime you're saying something so outside the mainstream, uh, you know, the idea that we should legalize all drugs or the idea that oh my God, perhaps our foreign policy actually does create terrorists in some way, shape, or form, and maybe we should at least look at that. Uh, it can sound crazy because it's it's common now speak. It's been about 10 years now, since 10, 12 years since this has been in the vernacular now of, of the mainstream in some way, shape, or form. Before that, those phrases, those words didn't exist. They weren't even a mm-hmm. part of the political dialogue, and the very fact that they are now is a testament to you know, what what it can be like when someone gets a little crazy and, start, and gets a little bold with the platform. Well, well, like even just using, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to harp on Ron Paul too much, but just like even using him as an example, you know, you would hear a lot of people that would say, well, you know, I, I, I am against the war on drugs, but his opinions on, say, the Fed are are bozo, or you know, I'm I'm really for bringing the troops home, but uh, you know, I don't want to be an isolationist or or whatever the random BS line is, and and oftentimes I would tell people, well. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to do an appeal to authority, right? I'm not trying to say that just because he says it, that means he's right on everything. I I do think Ron Paul is right on 99.9% of things, but even I'm not saying because he says it, he's right on it. But what I would challenge you, you know, that you being that person saying those things is, well, if you agree with him on say ending the war on drugs, and you can also admit that 90% plus of the establishment is in no way interested in that topic, then you should at least be, if you, if you can recognize he's right on something big when no one else is, then you should at least hear out the other things he has to say. I'm not saying you'll be persuaded, but you can at least recognize that this guy's cut from a different cloth than the rest of these people and be willing to hear what he has to say on the next item on the agenda. And this is what I think is so important for libertarians to understand and and for libertarians to help with how they message. And uh, I want to give credit to Brian McWilliams last week on, on Electric Liberty Land. He did a whole breakdown of how he thinks the Libertarian Party specifically should be messaging. But, you know, one key thing he mentioned as well is, you know, when there are points of agreement, strong agreement with someone, whoever it is, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's someone from the left and you have strong agreement about, well, they used to be anti-war. Not you can't find it there so much, but let's say criminal justice reform or, or whatever. Whatever it may be, strongly agree with them because you do agree. So you don't need to mm-hmm. you don't need to be combative about this particular issue at least, uh, and try to lead with those issues that you strongly agree with. And then when they, when they see you uh, boldly agreeing with something that that they they you know boldly want to stand for themselves, then sure maybe they don't adopt the libertarian philosophy overnight, but they're at least probably going to be able to hear you out because if they can if they can think to this to themselves, well I agree with this person on this thing, they can't be completely mm-hmm. crazy or else or else they have to be completely crazy too. Yeah, I mean, exactly right. And I mean, and that's the beautiful thing, you know, something I've said on the show many times that is that has gotten me into hot water with some people, as I say all the time, most people don't have any principles. And I stand by that statement. And I don't mean, oh, their principles are different than I No, screw that. Most people don't have principles at all. And when I and when I say having principles, I I usually define it as the type of person that if you give them a survey of 100 different social or political issues, and they have to really go one line at a time and think hard on what they believe. They must not have principles because if you had principles, they would be helping to guide you. And a lot of those types of decisions, whether you like the outcome or not, you're you're going to know where you fall on it because your principles help to make those decisions for you. And Ron Paul is a very principled person. So, I mean, I'm sure if he were here, even he would say that, well, you know, some of, some of, if, if I had that, you know, magical 100 question survey, you know, some of the, some of the votes that I would give maybe aren't necessarily what I would love to see in the world, but I'm compelled to do so because that's what my principles dictate. You know, Ron Paul doesn't, I'm pretty sure Ron Paul doesn't do heroin. Pretty sure we can safely say that on the program. I'm fairly but, confident, but I'm but also you never fairly, know. You yeah, never know. <laughs> but but I'm also fairly confident he doesn't think you should have your brains blown out if you do. I'm 100 percent confident about that one. <laughs> yeah, and and so yeah, exactly. And so and so to that point, that's that's where you have to challenge people. Is to say, look, 
I'm not, I'm not going to start like my first step towards you in trying to meet in the middle is not going to be legalized heroin. It's probably not strategically the best place to start, but at some point you gotta, you gotta go from the principled perspective. And then when you're talking to somebody and they're saying, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that wherever you reach the line where they say, Oh, uh, let me stop you right there. I'm not willing to go there. Then to just say, okay, that's fine. But in hind, but you know, for for you to think about when you go home tonight is why why are you drawing the line there, and why why wasn't the the issue before that? Why wasn't it the issue before sure. that? Why because because again, if you had deeply rooted principles that helped to guide the foundation of your political sociological thought, then all of a sudden, I think, and and I'm not saying you'd still don't draw a line. I'm not saying that there's not a line that everyone can draw somewhere on what they do and do think not think is healthy for society or however you want to put it. But I think most people's lines would move if they were making those decisions based on principle and not based on um, from a from a politician standpoint, you know, what's most politically convenient that day. Yeah, again, it's that same idea of, you know, I think overall as a movement, we want to be constantly shifting the Overton window, uh, shifting the ideas mm-hmm. of what the ideas of acceptable thought are, changing what the dialogue is. And you can do that on an individual level with someone as well. Shift someone's personal Overton window. If you can at least get them thinking in a principled manner and, and asking these things, at some point they have to have this internal debate and they either have to just decide they're not going with principles or think about what the principles really are because you might find somebody that completely agrees with you on on legalized marijuana for example uh but then they hear about mm-hmm. like oh psychedelics and an acid or an mdma and they're like oh I, I, that's that, that's way too much some other people might go that far they might say oh yeah i've seen the studies about how mdma therapy can help people how uh you know psilocybin mushrooms can help people so they might even agree with the legalization of that stuff but then they see heroin and cocaine mm-hmm. and go whoa 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 there's no medical use there <laughs> uh so definitely don't, don't draw that line and to get them to look at it from the principal point of view and to ask yourself what really is the difference in why you think someone should be physically grabbed and put behind bars for this one thing, but you didn't right across the other side here. You didn't, was it just because there was, you know, evidence that it was okay or, you know, evidence there was a medical benefit. And if so, why is that your definition? You know, we, we got to push these boundaries Mm -hmm. in in whatever way we can, uh, with whatever sort of, you know, step in whatever foot we're we're able to get in the door in the first place. Well, like I'll I'll give you a really perfect real world example. I I got into a spat with some folks recently that this was not a libertarian group that was having this conversation, but the question came up, do you think that, uh, people who are incarcerated, do you think that people in jail should be forced to work to do something, to make things, you know, to make license plates, to make widgets, to sell, to fund programs or to pay taxes or, or, or to reimburse, you know, victims or whatever. And, and my default position was, no, I don't think they should. Cause I, I, that sounds a lot like slavery to me. And a lot of people in this conversation said, oh, well, I, I think they absolutely should be able to, cause they should, you know, they should, they should have to have some use like, well, if we're going to, of course, people like to bandy around that word, we, right. Well, if we're going to have them in jail, we ought to make them be useful. I, and do I always this, cringe that, at whatever. the we, I'm like, man, yeah, I, know, I don't right? want to do any of these things. So, <laughs> well, and, 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 and I'd say, well, like, you know, if you give me five seconds to justify my position, it's like, well, you know, you talk about shifting the Overton window. I think most people. If, if asked, you know, whether or not slavery is a good thing, I'd like, I think most people in current year will say, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm against slavery. I'm like, okay, we've established that we're all on that page. We don't like slavery. Okay. Well, you know, let's open up the conversation about criminal justice reform. That's actually a really hot topic in, in current events. Do you, do you think that there should be criminal justice reform? Do you think that part of criminal justice reform should be that there should be less laws? There should be less people in jail. Why is America the biggest uh, you know, prison colony on earth. You know, do we, if, if it's an, you know, if you're someone who is pro letting out nonviolent drug offenders, then we'll if, say if it's a nonviolent property crime, property damage, theft, robbery, but it doesn't involve physical violence uh, to another person's person body, then don't, don't you think it would be better for the victim of that crime to have that person working to pay off 
the amount as opposed to be in jail working to pay it off. And and, and some of those people then say, well, yeah, I guess if they were going to pay back the damage they caused, like, well, if they can do that more easily out of jail so that they avoid jail, but they also make the other person whole. Well, that's where you're now having the conversation about restitution rather than incarceration. And so, but, and so the moral of all, cause I don't want to get on all those topics. It's just the moral of the story is, is that what started as a really simple kind of like, you know, a conversation piece of, do you think people in jail should have to work? And a lot of people in that group say, yeah, they should have to work. Mm -hmm. Then when they were confronted with, well, yeah, but isn't that sort of kind of like slavery? And then, well, well, if they're, if you're going to go that far, shouldn't they be out of, you know, shouldn't they be, instead of us, we having to pay for them to be incarcerated and sitting there making license plates, couldn't, couldn't they be out, not in prison doing something more constructive, which is better for their life, by the way, as opposed to having to sit in a jail sell for X number of months or years, and B, if the victim ultimately receives restitution, then everyone is better off. Of course, I would love for there to just be no criminals and no crime and all that, but we don't live in a perfect world, but a more perfect world than having more people in jail than any other country on earth would be for the victim to get the value of their goods or services lost back and that person not going to jail for 20 years. I, I, I don't think anyone with a semblance of humanity could say that that's a worse result than them just rotting in jail. Sure. I mean, that scenario is a win-win, whereas the other scenario, the way we do it now, is a lose-lose. Like, I mean, the, yes. the person that either made the mistake or just did a bad thing knowingly uh, has no chance to, to you know, make things better on his end or the victim's end uh, is now just in jail for some arbitrary time that is in no way related to, to the regular, to the, uh, you know, the initial crime. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe they're working, but they're working for 10 cents an hour just so they can afford ramen noodles. Their, their work isn't going to pay off their, you know, what they're doing. So now the taxpayer, including the victim of the crime, has to pay to house this person and is in the meantime, not only are they not getting restitution somehow through some through some way or another their their hard-earned money is also going to pay to house the, the person that that caused them you know this harm in the first place whereas under the under what you're taking you know what the way you're laying out here uh it's a win-win you know the the person can actually get restitution which really should be the point of all of this in the first place uh now a lot of people will say well no people should be punished for their crimes but if you're working for someone else uh, because you're paying them back, that is also a form of punishment. It means you can no longer live the, your life in the same exact way you did before. You can't just work for yourself and your family. You do have to work for someone else. And maybe that is a form of slavery in a sense. Uh, it's more like, you know, restitution, like you said. Uh, but when you're just in jail working to work, I mean, that is true slavery. You're, you're really just working for corporations there that are, are using this jail system and their crony capitalist scheme to essentially get free or nearly free labor that they can never get on the open market. Well, you know, and, and I'll, I'll give you another really short example, too, is death penalty. You know, there's a lot of people that that do still genuinely believe in capital punishment. Um, I'll, I'll admit one, you know, one of the positions that maybe 10 years ago I was I was still pro death penalty and and I changed my mind on that. And and the basis for that mind change was because I'm, I'm I believe that if you don't have the right to do something, you can't possibly have given that right to to government, to any state officials. So if I can't execute someone who has wronged me, then I don't believe the state can execute someone who has wronged someone else. Um, and, 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 and I can't sit here and tell you that I, that I'm, you know, that I can tell other families or say, you know, victims of, of murder or rape or whatever, how they should and shouldn't feel and what they think is and isn't appropriate. I don't think that's my place to say, but I don't think the government has the right to kill people because they, they sentence them as such. And, and I know that that's a, that's a much greater extreme crime than say petty theft. You know, you stole my CD player, but it's, but, but that's what principles do for you, right? They don't necessarily give you, um, you know, having principles isn't easy. It doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to be nice and tidy with a bow on it. And it, it, it may cause you some indigestion at times, but that's what principles do for you. But, but the, but the principle still holds like, so in the same thing of talking about, you know, jail versus restitution, it's the, it's the same thing here is that if you tell someone, well, what do you think about Nancy Pelosi getting her hair did at the salon and you can't go? Well, that's wrong. They, the law should apply the same to everybody. Oh, okay. So you think the law should apply the same to everybody. And you think that if you can do something, they can, but if you can't do something, they can't. And you can't execute anyone because they rob you or kill someone. That's that's for the justice system. Well, there you go. So you're 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 making that connection again of well, you know, damn it, Alan. You know that doesn't that isn't that might not be a satisfying answer depending on where you fall on the subject. But that's 
But you can see my point that that's what principles do is they make you think of, well, if I'm going to be consistent and, and I mean, in, in kind of bringing this full circle, that's the, in my mind, the beautiful thing about anarchism or, or libertarianism or being an ANCAP or whatever voluntarist or whatever uh, language you like to use is that the beautiful thing about it is, is that if you're, if you're someone who just values logical consistency, I feel like you know, I, I, I would never say, oh, I have all the right answers for everything, for all time, for all people, for all human history. I, I think that that's uh, there's a lot of hubris in that statement. But I feel like purely purely from a pra- pragmatic standpoint of what is the most logically consistent, you know, philosophical, sociopolitical way of thinking about things. I think we have that. <laughs> Hey there, kitty cats. I need to take a quick little break to remind you that if you love coffee, and I need coffee, I need coffee to get through interviews at this point because let's say so, I just passed 40. I need a little extra kick in my step, and I get that kick from our good friends at Lauren Zotti Italy. These guys have some premium coffee blends at an amazing price. You want to check them out at laurenzotti.coffee. That's laurenzotti.coffee, not.com. And what I love about these guys is that they aren't just fine coffee connoisseurs. They are also not just entrepreneurs themselves, but they are out there helping other people start their own businesses. Uh, They help people procure equipment, financing, and everything else they need to start their own coffee shops. So please do check out our friends at Lauren Zotti Italy. Don't forget to use discount code LIONS for 10% off your order. Alan, one thing I, I want to get into here is, uh, you know, what you're currently doing in terms of trying to get this message out there, uh, but in, in a pretty unique way, in several pretty unique ways that you've, you've done over the years. Uh, but the, you know, the, the latest adventure and the one that you're really do, putting like all your heart and soul into, I know because I went on the show and had an absolute blast, is this uh, the show, It's it's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Uh, give me a sense of how this, the idea for this concept of the show kind of came together and what you plan to do for it. Because this is not a per se political show, although, you know, you, you do talk about political things as well mm-hmm. uh but you're really sure. you're really doing something interesting that i'm not that i think we need to see a lot more of actually out there uh i say in the libertarian circles but i think that's kind of the point i don't want to see this stuff confined to libertarian circles i want to see libertarians doing other types of content that gets them out of that libertarian circle and and that's what can actually bring people into it by saying oh this regular person doing a show i find interesting oh they're a libertarian what's that mean and hopefully guide them that that way but you know mm-hmm. take take it away on and how we got here Amen and a woman to that. So <laughs> this, so uh, you know, my my show, the Gold Standard with Alan Mosley, that I'd started a few years ago, more than a few years ago now. Um, that was actually a kind of revival of an old radio show that I had. So I was on the radio uh, WMRB here in Middle Tennessee, and we had a show called the Gold Standard. The old station manager there, and his name was John, and myself. And it was it was kind of a drive time call in libertarian type political show and we did we did we did a lot more local stuff and things because it was kind of like local radio and that sort of stuff but it was called the gold standard and then i revived that three three and a half years ago as you know more of like just kind of a sit down podcast type of a thing and then and then over time gradually started having guests but even the whole time we were doing that um very early on our idea was well you know we want to do things in video we want to really try to push the boundaries of production value and 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 graphics and and try and try to move in a direction of making it as tv friendly as we can in on our shoestring budget um and I feel like we've done that now in this new iteration of the program. It's too late because we we do it kind of in in the in the late traditional late night style format where we have a monologue and then a desk segment where we're doing viewer mail and and talking about kind of funny current events and pop culture. Then we do have a couple of segments where we either have a guest or maybe talk about something serious in the news. Sometimes we have musical guests at the end of the show, just like traditional late night. But but to your point, exactly so is that. I've actually gotten away from even using terminology like libertarian or anarchist very much because, and and I tried to impress this on kind of our, our old fans who have been with us all along that look, I'm not any different. I haven't changed. You're, you know, I'm not going the way of, you know, Chris Cantwell, right? Like I'm the same. Please don't. My principles. Yeah. You're Stay no with problem. us, Alan. Stay with uh, us. <laughs> Come into the light. I mean, you know, my, my principles haven't changed at all, but but you nailed it 
is is to say that you know something that I and I'm and I'm not going to name any names because causing more libertarian drama is the last thing we need to do. Well, but you can't be good for ratings, people, though. Let's be honest. It, you <laughs> know what? A lot of people aren't very entertaining. Like, let's call a spade a spade. These these monotone people with some you know whatever light jazz in the background, and then they sit down and talk about really esoteric. I think I know what kind of what kind of thing you're referring to. <laughs> yeah. Though, you know, this this really deep esoteric type program where, you know, you have a couple of guys that are sitting in mom's basement somewhere talking about, you know, really, really deep, philo- you know, deep philosophical libertarianism. I'm like, who are you talking to? People that are who are you talking people to? that are already so immersed and nerdy about it that they will find that mm-hmm. interesting, but it's probably not bringing mm-hmm. anyone to that. And and to be fair, look, there's nothing wrong with preaching to the choir, no, right? Know. You know, sometimes you got to preach to the choir because sometimes the choir loses exactly. way. You need, you need the but, choir to be to be preaching the message out there too. Yeah. So you know. But I felt like doing a show that was kind of sort of branded as a more mainstream late night entertainment type of a program where I might share my beliefs, and those beliefs are, in my opinion, you know you know, traditional libertarian or anarchist beliefs or principles, but I don't say this is what libertarians think. That's, that is something you will not hear on my program ever again is, well, anarchists think this because for one, who am I to say what anarchists think? Especially with anarchists, you really don't want want to put anarchists (laughs) in a box. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you're, you know, you're treading collectivist waters, right? When you start saying, well, libertarians think this, well, as soon as you find one who doesn't, now you've got a fight on your hands. But, but two is that, well, I would rather try to demonstrate that I have the credibility to say, I think this, and then one might can surmise that, well, he is a libertarian who thinks that. I'm not saying all libertarians do, but he is one and he thinks that. And I feel like you're more likely to reach new and broader audiences by talking about some issues going on in the world, kind of maybe doing it in a little bit more irreverent way, not making everything so life or death. Uh, you know, I, I feel like it's a very Boomer Con-esque thing to do to say, oh, well, Biden won and the rally yesterday was bad. That means the CCP has taken over America. I was like, well, Jesus, man. <laughs> like if it's if I mean, if, if if every single setback is the Communist Party has taken over the country, if that's if that's the line in the sand, you're going to draw every single time a vote doesn't go your way. Then it's just it's hard to take you seriously. Right. Because it's just doom and gloom 24 seven. So instead of that, I'm going to try my best. And, and I don't always succeed but i'm going to try my best to have a little bit of humor have a little bit of reflection have a little bit of kind of bring some irreverence to some otherwise serious topics but express them as my beliefs but oh kind of hint hint wink wink i i happen to be an anarchist right right i mean that's i mean i wouldn't say it's quite the same as what uh, remzo and i have tried to do with second print comics because we're trying to keep that a strictly non-political show but at the same Mm -hmm. time we are libertarians so when we discuss an issue and it's really amazing i'm learning more and more and i've been a comic book fan for 20 years uh but i'm learning more and more as i get into these stories and as i break them down and and as i speak about them like my libertarian opinions and my philosophy it filters into everything uh so when we get into other Mm -hmm. areas of pop culture and we can build fan bases in these other areas you know a a fan base that enjoys you talking about pop culture and current events a fan base that enjoys uh and i talking about comic books uh, a fan base that enjoys uh you know brian odie and and our friend rico have a show bravo and beer where they're talking about uh you know all these these reality shows and getting drunk i mean these are all uh different little niches you can find that aren't political at all even uh you know in your case maybe it kind of rides the line a little bit uh but the idea is we need to get into the culture we need to invade the culture we need to be everywhere because that's how the left has been successful the left has completely mm-hmm. overtaken the culture to the point that very leftist positions now feel like the norm they feel like the the baseline where we're starting from and republicans are such i'm just gonna say it such pussies uh and and all they do is react to what's happening they don't actually counter and, and try to overtake uh the enemy and then sort of the machiavellian sense they basically only play defense so when you're only playing defense you're just getting pushed back a little further a little further a little further all the time uh, and now what what might have seemed like a quote unquote socialist position, uh, uh, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago is just the standard. And then we kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, something as simple as, you know, everything with Obamacare and uh, the the mandates and Trump has certainly been a big part of pushing this to the norm. Uh, now it's it's now even a Republican would never say, oh, we have to we can't would never say anything against.
advanced, yes, everybody with pre-existing conditions should be covered, um, whether it's through some government scheme with a private company or whether it's through universal health care, Medicare, it doesn't matter. Hardly, you're going to hardly find any politician who will disagree with at least that end of the concept. Whereas 20 years ago, I mean, yes, you would have actually have a big debate about that. The debate's gone. The debate on that little small aspect of it is gone because the left is pushing. And But it's it's not just that they're pushing politically. It's that they are all through the culture. Uh, think about how many celebrities mm-hmm. you see endorsing Joe Biden. Uh, they're not doing that because they're going out on, an, on a limb. They're not doing it because they're being bold and brave. They're doing it because they're part of that culture. Uh, that's how deep it, it is. I mean, they're just representatives. They're just figureheads of the larger culture that has invaded almost all areas of pop culture. So that's that's where we have to understand that we have to we have to go where mm-hmm. the battle is. We have to go wage battle in these different emerging battlefields, which aren't as obvious as as what one might think. They're not just the political arena. It's everywhere. Well, and and you know, and this is kind of like a message to our to our friends and other content creators out there is that you know it's not easy. It's a postcard. It's a not postcard easy. To our, our our non not quite yes. top tier friends. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's it's it's. I mean, it, it's not easy. And and what I mean by that is is that you know sometimes I'll something will happen. Something in the ether will happen. A movie comes out. A a politician says something, or a, a football game is played, and you will see an article or a video by someone. And it'll be the libertarian perspective on mm-hmm. X, and I'm like Jesus Christ. No, first of all, it not everything needs that. That's not necessary all the time. You know, sometimes so, sometimes the Bills and the Colts can play, and I don't need to know the libertarian perspective on the Bills Colts game, right? right. <laughs> uh, on the uh, on the, but at the same time, doing that, but it being being organic is well. That's that's who I am, as opposed to I'm going to evaluate every way, evaluate everything through that lens for you. That can come off as forced and cringy and unnecessary. And again, especially if you're trying to reach more people, people who aren't already in your camp will see that and be like, "Ugh, is that is this what everything is about to that guy? Mm-hmm. You don't want to be that guy." Yeah, it, you're gonna get. Oh my God, do I really have to hear the libertarian perspective on everything? Do I really need the libertarian mm-hmm. perspective on backgammon? Like, really? Can you guys just shut up about, about <laughs> politics? But what you can do is start up. I mean, it doesn't have to be a podcast. It doesn't have to be a, a book, m- YouTube channel, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. If you love mm-hmm. backgammon, don't write an article about the libertarian perspective on backgammon. Go do something about backgammon that you're passionate about and mm-hmm. allow your natural self to, you know, filter in whether it's comments here and there. Don't even plan it. Just go be yourself because it's mm-hmm. going to seep in. It's going to seep into that culture. And you're going to build this huge uh, 10,000 person backgammon, uh, backgammon audience. And they're not libertarians, uh, but suddenly they have this person they respect and this person who's a leader in their community. And now when mm-hmm. they do see you somewhere else and they hear you say something and they say, oh, that's that, that's something they might have written off earlier like we're talking about you know towards the beginning of the show something that sounds like a crazy ron paul thing well they can't write you off as crazy and not knowing what you're talking about if they are one of your fervent fans because they love backgammon and your take on backgammon is so, mm-hmm. is so amazing i've hardly ever played backgammon i have no idea why that be- why that became the example <laughs> i feel like i played it as a kid i couldn't explain the first thing about it so maybe someone out there should start this backgammon podcast so i can learn about backgammon uh but anyway uh the point being get do what you're passionate about it doesn't need to be about politics and build these communities because then you're going to become a respected figure of your community, a respected leader. And that's going to give so much weight to when they actually do hear a quote unquote crazy opinion from you. Well, like, I'll, you know, I'll use Dave Smith as an example. I've met Dave once. Uh, I met him at Tom Woods' 1000th, actually, but I, I've never had him on the show. I'd love to get Dave Smith so on the tall. show someday. So tall. Yeah, he is tall. He's tall. I mean, I mean, well, you know, I'm under six foot, which means I'm yeah, a midget. Same. That's how I'm it about is. a couple inches under that, let's just say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'll use him as an example of what, you know, Dave Smith is not a successful libertarian person. He's a successful person who is a libertarian. And that and that's in that small distinguishing comment means everything. If you are trying to be the most successful libertarian for one, you're kind of setting the bar lower than maybe you should Uh, (laughs) aim higher, folks. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and two, like if that, if that, like, that's your identity, like your identity is I'm a successful libertarian. I think that your identity terrible. should be, I'm a success. I don't want that. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you want to be a successful person who, oh, by the way, did you know that guy's a libertarian? Like, no and then, really? 
Huh. Yeah, exactly. I think it just it just changes the dynamic both for people within our camp and people outside. I mean, people within our camp will be like, yeah, you know, ooh, 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 one of us. But people outside of our camp who may be their their preconceived notions of anarchy or libertarianism, oh, that's a fringe element. I don't really like that. Then when they see someone who they get to know as as successful and well-spoken and, and all that, and then find out after the fact, after they've already kind of established their first impression of, oh, this is a well-to-do person then finds out they're a libertarian that changes everything and i think what you're saying is actually a key testament to why dave smith is also a successful libertarian podcaster because i mean i have no idea the downloads of 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 the shows he's on but i i'm pretty sure that legion of skanks is a much more popular Mm -hmm. show than part of the problem because it's a it's a a huge comedy show has a lot of fervent fans but so many of those of those fans uh, and i've read because i've heard it from them we have fans of lions liberty who said oh they came here from legion of skanks to dave smith to lions liberty uh so but it's it's legion of skanks it's his it's his very non-political thing uh that first made them like dave made them respect him and now once you like him and then you say oh you have another you hear him mention oh he's got another show Mm -hmm. what's that well i like him on this i I respect him for his comedy he he makes me laugh uh so maybe i'll go check out what what he's doing in this other arena and maybe the first time they hear it Mm -hmm. they're kind of like whoa whoa this is crazy but they're not going to they're not going to write it off the first you know time they hear a crazy thought uh about ending the war on drugs or what have you because they've are that respect that respect has already been established that fandom has already been established and you can't write off someone you're a huge fan of without at least you know like we've been saying putting in the time to at least let them air the opinion and at least give it some thought and that's how we're going to slowly change people by by putting ourselves in the position that they want to listen to us that they want to hear our perspective on something because shoving it down their throats does not work believe me i tried for like five or ten years it's not it doesn't work yeah, exactly. And I mean, and, and to that point, like I, you know, I don't want to come off as a, as a, as a doom and gloom defeatist type person, but I am the type of, I, look, I'm not politically active. I don't vote. I never will. doesn't matter who's running and what party they run for. Um, and, and I don't think that there is any political path to a free society. I, and I, I don't think there ever will be. I don't think that that is Nirvana is not meant for this world. Uh, with that said, that doesn't that doesn't mean er, you know therefore go jump off a bridge. What that means is is you need to be shifting from you know political success to as you're talking about you know personal success, uh, social success, uh, you know financial success, uh, you know cultural success, and and for and it doesn't it doesn't matter what we what we like or what are the way we think things ought to be. I wish that libertarian, you know, liberty was a primary political virtue of people the world over and someone like a libertarian would be seen, you know, may, maybe a little bit as a as a radical idealist, but but something to be admired because they are so radically pro liberty. That's not the world we live in. And so instead of being angry about it and yelling harump for rump, people people just don't love liberty like us. They're all stupid and evil. Instead just just you know, be, be social, be, be, be a, be a great member of your community, provide for your family, uh, you know, live a healthy life, live a, live a long life, have a, you know, have a wonderful family, all those things. Because again, it's, it's, it's hard to put a value on the difference between meeting a stranger for the first time who the first thing they learn about you is you're one of these crazy radical libertarians yeah. and that has completely colored their thought about who and what you represent. And then from that point, I mean, maybe you can turn the tide on that, but it's an uphill battle. And I don't, I, I hate that that's the case, but that's the case the way a lot of people in this country or world think vice versa. If they found out first, Hey, it's, it's, it's Mark Claire. He, he's well-spoken. He's a fun guy to be around. He talks he, so fast. You know, I can he, barely keep up, but I, but he's all right. He, <laughs> yeah, he's 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 in the comics. That's cool. I'm into comics. And so they've established that rapport with you first. And then after they've established that rapport and kind of made their first impressions, then say, oh, he's a libertarian. Oh, I thought those because because then it goes from, oh, you're a libertarian. I don't care about those other things. You're weird to I like all those other things. You're a libertarian. Hmm, I don't know. I thought those people were weird. But Mark's changing my mind on that. That's Again, it's not it's I'm not saying that I'm glad that that's the way the world works, but guess what? That's the way the world works. 
Well, Alan, uh, this is not the current event show here at Lions of Liberty. You know, we have a, we have a bit of a variety show that is usually handled by Brian McWilliams. And I know uh, we're going to be pro- probably doing some There's coverage of, of the craziness that's been going on outside of the show. But uh, sure. I feel like we can't have this conversation <laughs> and air this show on Monday without at least mentioning the craziness that is, that is going on in this country right now and where you think it's going. So just yeah, just take it from there. <laughs> uh Clown fiesta. Clown fiesta. Holy. <laughs> Quite <laughs> I mean, literally, if you saw some of the photos from uh, the Capitol building. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was discussing this with my buddy, Mike Meharry, um, and friend of know, the show. This, yeah. And Nash, Nash Communications, the 10th Amendment Center. Everyone should be a member of the 10th Amendment Center. And uh, the thing, the thing about specifically the events of January 6th and just this week in general and, and the election and all that uh, in, in 2020 as a whole, even it's just the fact that there's a lot of competing schools of thought that are really hard. I think, especially for people in our camp to reckon with, because it's, it's, it, you're not a Nazi and you're not a racist to identify maybe the, the left, the political left, the, the cultural left as, as not being amenable to your values and principles. I, that's, that's, by the way, Mark, I'm being as politically correct and non-vulgar as I can be <laughs> to say that uh, you are not a Nazi or a racist to, to come to that conclusion. Vice versa, that doesn't mean you're ready to lock arms and, and, and fight on the front lines of the civil war on the side of, of, the political or cultural right or or the magas or the trumpers because they don't really represent my my values or principles either and so that's so while i can identify one side as as being you know i can you know i can look at cultural marxism and say boy wow i don't i don't like the way this is going um and and i can be for political decentralization and secession and all those things and and not be a racist but i can also look at that and say, well, okay, let's say I snap my fingers and we wake up tomorrow and we now live in, you know, the United States is broken into, let's just start for now, two different nation states. And there's, there's going to be our, there's going to be Trump world and there's going to be Biden world on net. That's better than what we have now. I think trying to force, you know, a few hundred million people with, with irreconcilable differences into one political group is is not the way forward on the other hand as an anarchist and a libertarian i can say yeah but i'm not sure which one of those i want to live in because they don't exactly represent me either and and you know it's in something too and this is kind of a message for the 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 boogaloo libertarians out there and the collapsitarians is look i'm I, I, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for, a, for a good uh, breakdown of society as we know it, but I, I, I would caution those people on those types of beliefs. If for no other reason than when, if, and when that disillusion of, of the political world, as we know, it comes that, that, that the next thing is in a free society. The next thing, it, it may be smaller societies than we have now, but but the mainstream thought in the ideological right and left still do not line up with my values. Nice. There's That doesn't mean there's going to be a place for us. Neither one of those camps are saying, oh, don't worry, you guys, when, when the Civil War is over, you come live with us. <laughs> They're not saying that. They'll say that if you're going to adhere to their edicts. That doesn't make them any better than what we have now. So I, I don't know, man. It's just... But I guess in some sense, it's in some sense, I, I have sympathy for the MAGAs out there because they they had their guy, right? They had their Trump and they believed he was going to drain the swamp and all this. And of course, I, I will say this, and I know my, our friend Mike Meharry agrees with this. I'm I'm not going to be one of these liber these these right kind of leaning libertarians who thinks on net Biden winning was way worse than Trump winning. Because I got to be honest with you, I think the GOP is a way better opposition party than they are a party in power. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, they actually at least so, speak about principles when they're the opposition party. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the the ship's sinking anyway. But if I had to choose, the GOP party is a better opposition party. Um, and, and I mean, without a, in, but, but vice versa, I, I, I will preface that with, you know, you have a lot of MAGA types out there saying, well, look, man, now that Biden's in, you know, here comes again, here comes the CCP, the country's <laughs> right. going to go full communist. So we got to be ready to vote in 2022. We got to be ready to vote in 2024. And my answer to them, 
Uh, and I know that the 10th Amendment Center guys would tell you this, uh, Mark, I know you know this, is that for, for Bolden and the guys over there at TAC, you know, when there's a Republican in office and they say the exact same things about limited government and constitutional values, all the right-wingers call them libtards and snowflakes and, and unsubscribe. And then when the Republican loses office and a Democrat is in and TAC says and does the exact same things, no matter who's in office, then all the right-wingers come around and say, yeah, right. speak truth to power and all the... And all the lefties are are telling them Nazis and, and racists. Uh, but the point being is, is that while while absolutely I'm not thrilled with a Biden Harris administration. On the other hand, if any if any right winger strolls into it's too late and says, "Oh, hey, you guys are talking bad about Biden. This must be the show for me." My only answer is, is man, the last time you guys elected somebody, it was a gun grabbing socialist. Indeed, yeah. I mean, I think the best libertarians can do in all this is definitely not taking one side at all. I mean, even if you kind of think maybe Trump, maybe there was fraud and Trump got screwed uh, or what have you, or maybe you think it was all legitimate, probably best not to really take a strong stance because at the end of the day, these neither side is really our friends. Um, some, mm-hmm. you might find some people in some camp that, that are more so than the other, but you know, you don't want to start getting associated with the, the other side. Uh, the best we can do is kind of use this as an example of, Maybe we shouldn't all be ruled under the same system. Maybe this is why. Maybe look what's happening now. Do we really need to be fighting over this building, this building in Washington, D.C., where we control everything else all all around the country? Do we really need to have Mm -hmm. this happening? Or can we break up, kind of live live in our states and and at least look at things that way, Uh, at least have our own communities? Uh, Do we need to force our beliefs, whatever they are, as right as we might think they are, on the entirety of a nation that doesn't agree with them and never, ever will? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or can we just live peacefully and a little more separately. I think that's that's probably the best angle we can take on this whole thing. You you have to be if if those are your principles, if you value liberty as a primary political virtue, you have to be un, unabashedly libertarian at all times. If you're going to be anti-lockdown under Trump, you better be anti-lockdown under Biden. By the way, you better be anti. You better be acting lockdown period. If, yeah. If um, anti-war, like, look, you know, I, I know a lot of people give a lot of heat to the LP. I do, too. I've said many times if I run for an office in LP, my platform is is to dissolve the Libertarian Party. That's what I'm running. Not, that's my platform. Uh, I, I think that the, that's incompatible. But that being neither here nor there, a lot of people will criticize and say, well, hey, why doesn't the LP Twitter make a big anti-lockdown post? Hey, why doesn't why don't they make a big anti-whatever post? It's like, look, that's I mean, that's the crux of a lot of the criticism is you have to be you have to be anti-Fed. You have to be anti-war. Um, you 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 have to be uh, pro-private property. And part of that means a right of association, which means getting anti you know, started getting into things like anti-discrimination laws and stuff like that. And if you're talking about principle, that means you don't think the, the government has a role in determining who and who can associate with what. Um, you know, who the, the, the bake, the cake stuff, the, uh, you know, but those types of things like this is, it's, I I guess if it's sad to me that some of the things I just listed are even remotely controversial within libertarian circles, because in my mind, that's libertarianism 101. Like this is the basic stuff we're talking about here, but that just goes to show that even unfortunately, even within our own social circles, there are people that decide how they feel based on an issue rather than having principles. Indeed, indeed. Uh, well, Alan, uh, we're just about wrapping up our time here. So why don't you give everybody out there just the full roundup? I know you have so many projects, a million different projects, but mm-hmm. let everybody know everything you got going on and the best ways they can find uh, everything you've been doing, including, of course, It's Too Late. So you can watch new episodes of It's Too Late with Alan Mosley as they premiere on Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, Facebook and YouTube are both uh, Facebook.com and YouTube.com slash Alan Mosley TV. Uh, Twitter is Alan Mosley TV. Uh, but you don't have to do any of that. You can just go to our website, which is Alan Mosley TV. Imagine that. Um, we are our big live event. We we have an annual live show where we do a live show in front of a studio audience. That's going to be done at our studio oh, south of Nashville in Columbia, Tennessee. You're, you're allowed to do that, huh? Yeah, well, that would be unheard of here in California. Yeah. So, well, yeah. yeah. Allowed is a very yeah yeah yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Allowed asterisk. <laughs> Um, so that's going to be happening in our studios in Columbia, Tennessee. That's March 20th of this year. So, so last year, last year was episode 100 was kind of the occasion for the live show. So this will be our third annual 
live. We'll do, we do one live event per year. This will be our third annual one. So I encourage everyone, they can go to alamosley.tv and see the link to the event there. Um, had a lot of fun last year getting to meet people that, you know, you mostly know online, getting to meet them in person. And we actually had people from all over the country where, I mean, we were in Southern middle Tennessee. We had people from New York and Pennsylvania and Utah and Florida and Louisiana and Texas. It was, it was awesome. So, um, but I mean, that's that if, if there's anything that's, that's what I want to leave with people is, you know, I I'm kind of over the whole Liberty, Liberty movement thing. Like that's, that's another phrase you don't hear me say anymore. I I'm, I'm, I'm so over that. I, I don't think there is such a thing. I don't think there is such a thing as a Liberty movement in this country, but I think that there are people, I think that there are individuals who value Liberty. And so it's just that much more important to get to know those people and to work with those people and do business with those people and support those people. Um, goodness forbid they go to lionsofliberty.com and support those people or how I'm I mean, yeah, we're not saying send people. us money, but uh, seriously, people, send us money. We need help. <laughs> I mean, I was about to say, I don't know what you're talking about. I tell people on the show all the yeah. time. So what you do is you go to our PayPal and you type 999999.99 and you put in your card info and you hit enter and then you, you're you a real I like to make it easy. I just say send us one Bitcoin and we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even matter. I mean, I won't even bother looking at what the value of it is anymore. Just a Bitcoin. We'll take it. I won't complain. We'll take it whatever price. Uh, Alan Mosley, it's been such a blast having you on. Uh, we, I, was, I had an absolute blast uh, be, uh, being on uh, your show. It's too late. Uh, so I'm glad we could return the favor and have another great conversation. And I'm sure we'll have uh, several others down the road here over the years. So, uh, Alan, it's been awesome speaking to you. So keep up the great work and keep on roaring. Thank you so much, Mark. All right, kitty cats, I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Alan Mosley, one of my favorite people to talk to. Of course, I always love speaking with fellow top-tier libertarian podcasters, so shout out, of course, to Tom Woods uh, for for giving us that designation uh, a few months ago. And uh, Alan's an awesome guy. I highly recommend checking out his show, It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. I had such a fun time on that show. I cannot wait to go back again. And uh, as we mentioned throughout the show, that's right, I have my own little side project diving into pop culture myself. Well, not just myself. It's myself, along with Remzo Martinez, longtime friend of the show, part of the We Are Libertarians Network. We have come together to produce a decidedly non-libertarian show purely about the comic book characters, stories, and events that we loved and love as fans uh, growing up in the hopes that we could introduce other people to a lot of these concepts, a lot of these characters that they may only know from uh, you know a recent movie or TV show or that kind of thing. We do a deep dive on the source material each and every week, and we have an absolute blast doing it. So that is the Second Print Comics Podcast. Again, you got to spell out the word second. Don't just use the number two and the N and the D, that's not going to cut it. Second Print Comics Podcast. Please do me a favor, search your favorite podcaster for that puppy right now. Even if you're not a big comic book fan, even if you don't think you're into this kind of thing, I think you're really going to enjoy the vibe, the flavor that Remzo and I bring each and every week to really help Take your mind off politics. My God, do we ever need our mind off politics more than right now? Uh, But when you want your mind on politics, of course, this is the place to be. The greatest libertarian variety show on earth at Lions of Liberty. Three days per week, every single Monday, you get me right here with the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, bringing you interviews like the one you heard today with Alan Mosley, bringing you debates like the one you're going to hear again later this month. I say again because Dave Smith is returning, but this is a different kind of opponent. He is not really debating one of his many, many online Twitter critics. Dave is actually going to be debating former Maine State Senator Eric Brakey about libertarian strategy. Now, Dave is a big proponent of overtaking or uh, taking over, whatever you want to call it, the Libertarian Party, giving that the, making it the home of the pure libertarian message. While uh, Senator Brakey, uh, he is still a strong proponent of using the GOP as the political vehicle for the libertarian movement. So they are going to be debating that very topic later on this month. In fact, members of the Pride are going to be able to see that debate live in the Secret Pride Facebook group this coming Friday. So hop in the Pride right now. There's no better time. Head to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Our patrons help fund this entire show uh, and, of course, get a ton of bonus content, including early access to shows, live streams like the debate you're going to see uh, with Dave Smith and Eric Brakey. Of course, all of our exclusive bonus content, Degenerate Gamblers, Conspiracy Corner, Boy Oh Boy, 
joy. It just never stops coming. And of course, that was a long way to get to. And on Wednesdays, <laughs> and on Wednesdays right here on Lions of Liberty, you will hear Brian McWilliams just smacking you upside the head each and every week with his very special, acerbic, and uh, f- often foul-mouth-filled, I would say. But uh, he's recently turned a new leave, at least for one one episode, so we'll see. But that is, of course, Brian with Electric Liberty Land every single Wednesday, while John Odermatt is now wrapping things up. No, not on Fridays. That's right, on Thursdays. We're going to turn up your week a little early. We're going to unleash you into the wild, the rest of the podcast, earlier than we used to now. Every single Thursday, you can find John's new show, Finding Freedom. If you were a fan of Felony Friday, don't freak out. Out, don't flip. He's still going to be focusing on a lot of the same topics uh, about the criminal justice system, still doing a lot of the same type of interviews with people who have been through that system. Uh, but this is giving him the freedom to kind of expand out a little bit more, cover some different topics that don't necessarily sit right into that niche. Uh, so, hey, guess what? You get all of this stuff, all three shows still for the very, very low price of $0. Three for the price of one. The price is free. Just hit that subscribe button, smack the heck out of that thing on your favorite podcatcher. And while you're there, well, at least while you're at Apple, because screw those bastards. I don't like them either. I'm going to say it right here, but they still control these darn algorithms and we got to use them while we have them. So you may as well live us a five-star rating and a great review on Apple Podcasts. Get as many people, get as many ears to the Lions of Liberty, to the ideas of liberty, while we still have a chance to do so. Folks, that's it for me. Until next time. Live long and live free.